Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Amen. Great job, Melanie. Thank you so much. Amen. Yeah, like this this morning we uh, we had a, we didn't have enough volunteers, but we ran the service successfully. And uh, it, it's because how many know we need a break, right? So we're all taking breaks and enjoying our summer. So, so remember, say 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock next Sunday, okay? If you come, you get the benediction. If you come at 11, you get the end. <laughs> That's about it. So, amen. Well, Father, we thank you for your word today, God. We thank you that you're speaking to our hearts. You're transforming us by your word. We ask that you'd speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So I preached out my voice in the first service. We'll see how we do here. So today I want to talk about faith uh, over form. Faith over form. As I've been praying uh, this week and spending time in the Scripture, God has just been opening up the Word and really speaking to me. So I want to share that with you. I think in these end days that um, it's important that we return back to the simple simplicity of the gospel, which is faith over form. We're going to start in Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. And uh, Paul is speaking to the churches in Galatia, which is a region. It's not a town or a city. It's a region. And there's many towns in Galatia. And he's speaking to them in, uh, he's a little concerned about something. He says here in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 to 8, he says, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who has called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Uh, this, is, this is something that is causing Paul to marvel. He's, he's amazed. He's, he's scratching his head going, why are you turning to a different gospel? He says in verse 7, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and they want to pervert. They want to twist the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than you, to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And then Paul, of course, he quotes that a second time because it's a serious issue to change the gospel. And Christian denominational groups have used this verse to attack other Christian groups and, and say, well, you know, our, our theology is right and yours is wrong, so therefore, you know what, you are preaching another gospel. But how many know it's important to come back to context? What, what is happening historically? What's happening in the church? What is specifically being spoken of? And uh, what's happening in, in, in this city here or in this region is there's a religious group called the Judaizers uh, who began to teach... They were teaching a theology that was incorrect. They began to teach, okay, that the Old Testament laws were still binding upon Christians. They reasoned that God's promises only extended to the Jews and that the Gentiles must be circumcised before they could fully experience salvation. They didn't deny that faith in Jesus Christ was necessary, but they taught that it was inadequate. They believed that people needed to add to their faith observance of the law. So you could imagine like what that altar call would look like. You know, come to the front and you confess the Lord as Savior and you will be saved. And oh, by the way, men, we'll have you come over here on this side. Like Paul is marveling. He's like, what's going on here? He's trying to figure out what they're thinking, what's going on in their heads. Because Paul was teaching that salvation was by grace through faith alone. Say alone. And we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, it says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. When did He save you? When you believed. 
And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift of God. All right? Can't take credit for it. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it and say, you know what? You know what? I go to church every Sunday. I pray a lot. You know, I fast, so therefore, you know, I'm good. That's an insult to the grace of God. For we are all God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we, so we can do the things that God has planned long ago for us to do. And so God himself has created us new, and he has good works for you and I to do, but there's nothing we can do except believe in the finished work of the cross and put our faith in the power of the Spirit and the Word of God to transform us. Okay? Now, God has chosen us to be alive during this time, and I think it's important because we can get so focused on everything negative that's happening around the world. We know that we're living in the end times. We see the formation of a new world order and a government, and we see things coming in place. It's all prophesied in the Bible. We know it's coming. It's even more proof that we're on the right track. We're moving into that direction, and we can get so caught up in everything that's falling apart and forget about the God who has delivered us and who has a plan and a purpose for us, and He has called us to live in this time. God has pre-appointed for you and I to be alive in this time. There's something that we're going to add to the picture for His glory, right, in, in this time. So we're here with a purpose, and we need to keep that in mind. And, and, and here's the thing, because the simplistic truth of the gospel is really found when we pay attention to the tense of Scripture. I know I've talked about this in the past. We, we talk about past tense, right, we learned in school, present tense, and future tense. And sometimes we read so fast that we, we read by these things. We don't, we don't see them. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 to 14, Paul says, Always thanking the Father, He has enabled. You see the word enabled? He has enabled. Now, here's a question for you. Is that past tense, present, or future tense? It's past. He has. Some of you, we're going to have it at school. Got a school teacher here? No. It's past tense, Right? He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light, okay? For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, who has, has purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And so we'll bring up a slide here. I just want to cover this so we, we get it, okay? That God has, the gospel is that is what God has done for us. He enabled me to share in the inheritance. He has rescued me from darkness. He transferred me into His kingdom. He purchased my freedom. He forgave my sins. So many times as Christians, we look to the past and say, well, my past is dark. But we forget about the past when we gave our hearts to Christ and He did a work in us. How many more that he has transformed us? And so we'll go to the next slide. And this is unfortunately how a lot of us Christians think. We think he is enabling me to share in the inheritance. And we understand that we're working out, we're walking out our salvation. But we can almost have this, this, this idea of that he's enabling me to share in the inheritance. So I got to work this thing. Like, you know, I got to pray more. I got to read more. I got to do more because if I don't, I'm not going to have a great inheritance. Uh, he, he is rescuing me from darkness. I'm still struggling. We have a mindset that... We're, we're being purified, and we just, we just don't trust that it's already been done. He is transferring me into his kingdom. He is purchasing my freedom. He is forgiving my sins, okay? And so we move everything to future tense instead of leaving it where it belongs in the past. 
It's a finished work of the cross. How many hear what I'm saying? Okay? And the problem is when we look at everything as something that God is doing, right, it, 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 it creates a hope in us instead of faith. Faith is it's already been done. And I trust in the promises of God. All right? Now, these teachers that Paul was dealing with thought that Paul was trying to make the gospel more attractive to the Gentiles by removing God's legal demands. However, God, did, God himself did remove the legal demands, as we know from Scripture. If we go to Colossians, go with me to Colossians chapter 2. here. Okay, we'll bring up the passage here. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So Paul is saying, beware lest anyone cheat you through empty philosophies, okay? In Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 to 15, let's go there, okay? In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, it's important that we understand what circumcision is because, you know, this was the thing we were dealing with in, in, in the church of Galatia. Is Old Testament circumcision represented the cutting away of the sinful nature, the cutting away of that which is filthy. And it was obviously done in a very private spot that no one else saw. Okay, so it was very symbolic of how Jesus was going to come and cut off the sinful nature and that, you know, we were going to enter into a covenant relationship with him. And that's why it says here, you know, we're buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through what? Through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Okay, let's go on to the next verse. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh... He has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Okay, he's already forgiven you all your trespasses. Let's go to the next verse. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Now, this is very important because the people in this time of history understood that the justice system, when you came in, you were a prisoner, you came in, you were given a, a certificate of debt. And so if you were serving three years, it would say you owe one year of uh, you know, prison for your deeds against society. And then two years, three years, whatever. And, and so the jailer at the end of the year would mark off, you did your first year. The second year, marked it off. Third year, marked it off. And then that certificate was given to the prisoner. And they would go into society. If they tried to get a job, they would show, hey, I paid my debt. Okay. And, and this is why it was so important. Like when Paul and Silas were in prison and the angels blew the doors open and they, they left, well, the, the jailer was going to kill himself because the jailer was responsible. If they didn't pay their debt to society, guess who had to pay it? The jailer. So he was going to take his own life. And so Paul and Silas come back, hey, don't kill yourself. We're here. We didn't take off. We didn't leave, right? And so, so there's this certificate. And the beautiful thing is the Bible says God nailed that 
that certificate of requirements that was against our, nail, our nature, he nailed it to the cross when Jesus died so that we can, and, 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 and they would write in Greek, talisia, talisia, which meant paid in full. And when Jesus was on the cross, he said talisia in Greek, right? And it means it is finished. And so no longer do we have to keep the requirements of the law and do the feasts and the Sabbaths and all the things that the Jews had to do, which were types and shadows. Now we live by faith in the Son of God. Isn't that beautiful? And so we see that, you know, Paul is talking about this in, in, in Romans chapter 14, verse 4 to 7. Okay? Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or he falls. Indeed, he will make him to stand, for God is able to make him to stand. So don't judge people. Next verse. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes it the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe a day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks and he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. All right? And so we see here that Paul is talking about all of these arguments happening in the body of Christ. Well, we have to do this to please God. We have to do that. And you know what? It's, if you want to worship on the Sabbath, because the Sabbath, many say Saturday is the Sabbath, and we should worship on Saturday. And it is true that Constantine introduced worship on Sunday. It was never introduced, but it doesn't matter because I observe every day alike because Jesus is the Sabbath. And it, actually, if you want to worship on the Sabbath and you want to be like the biblical saints, you've got to worship on a Friday night because that was the beginning of the Sabbath. Amen? And Paul is saying it doesn't matter. That What matters is you worship the Lord. What matters is you put your faith because these things were all types and shadows. Some people will have you know, uh, eat a certain food and the other person feels not to do it. I've had people come in and say women need to cover their hair when they worship. Let each person be convinced in their own mind. If you feel to do that, you do it. You can't put that on me. How many hear what I'm saying? And Paul is dealing with this because the church in Galatia, now they have these teachers rising up saying that, yes, you have to have faith in Jesus, but it's not enough. You have to do this. You have to be circumcised. You need to do this. You have to follow these laws. You have to follow the judicial system and the feasts and all this stuff. And Paul is saying, what's going on? Right? And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 to 4, Paul says, I fear. Lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupt from the simplicity, say simplicity, that is in Christ. For he who comes, who preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel, you may well put up with it. And I don't want to put up with any gospel but the true gospel of Jesus Christ. How many would agree with that? Amen? And here's the issue that Paul was dealing with in Galatia. If we go to, uh, if we go to Galatians 3, verse 1 to 14. Paul says, O foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Who has, who has put a spell over you 
that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This I only want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? In other words, did you receive the Spirit when, when you started trying to obey all the laws and the commandments and the ceremonies and the feasts and the circumcision? Did you receive the Spirit? Because you know what happened in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, the only person that could hear the voice of God for the nations was the prophets. And so the prophets would hear the word of the Lord and they'd walk into the city and people's knees would begin to have fellowship one with another. They'd be like, oh my goodness, the prophet is here. And we don't know if it's good news. We don't know if it's bad news. We're just, we don't know what's coming because they could not hear God for themselves. But the beautiful thing is when we receive the Spirit, in the book of Acts, it says, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. In other words, they're hearing the voice of God. You're going to dream dreams. You're going to have a connection with God Almighty yourself. Every person who will accept the Lord will be able to hear the Lord for themselves. What a beautiful thing. And, and Paul is saying, listen, this is the whole purpose for the Son of God to come is to bring the Holy Spirit so that you can hear God for yourself and you can have a relationship with God. But what you're doing is you're going back and trying to keep all of these, these shadows and types and figures as if that's something special. How many see that? Are you so foolish by here? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? And, and you know what? You know, I don't think there's anyone here who's going to run out and get circumcised, okay? But we have our own issues. Are, are we getting into a place where we move to works Christianity so that we're focusing so much on what we can do for God or how we can better our lives? Uh, and we get away from just trusting in the simplicity of the finished work of the cross and giving God glory and thanks and worship for what he's already accomplished. We get so caught up in what we can do, and we lose the passion that we had. You know, we remember the time when we first gave our heart to Jesus, and the life came in, and the power of God delivered us from darkness. And I don't know about you, there was a time in my life where I walked out of a room feeling like I was a newborn child, all my sins washed away. It was a miracle of God, and I had peace for the first time. How many experienced that? And we begin that way, but somehow the, the serpent comes, and like he beguiled Eve, he begins to say, you know, you need to work this thing out. You, you're not good enough, and you need to pray more, and you need to do And all those things are good. We want to grow, but that's not the focus. The focus is that Paul is saying, you were hearing the word of God by faith, putting your trust in the power of God to deliver you, and now you're moving into legalism. That's what he's saying. And then we see here, of course, as we read on in Galatians, which I think we should probably do a study on as a church at some point because it's a very powerful book. But as we go through Galatians chapter 3, Paul is saying we're justified by faith, not by our works. And then he talks about the law and how the law brought a curse. Verse 13, he says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs in the tree. And why was he cursed? That, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Well, what is the blessing of Abraham? And what, what, what is... What is this blessing that we're going to receive? And he goes on to say here that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. 
And all I'm saying is that I think God wants us as a church and as a people to begin to come back like little children and put our faith in his word, put our faith in the power of his spirit and not in our own performance. Amen? Because it's by the power of the spirit. And I believe that we tend to move from power to structure. How many know structure's good? But we can put that before power. I believe God wants us to trust in His power, the power of His Spirit for our supply, not in what we can do. And I believe it's the only way we can move forward as a people. Amen? Now, in Numbers, if we go back to Numbers, is everyone okay? Following me okay? All right. I said to my wife, I said, I hope this message isn't too deep. Is it too deep? Are you guys like the deep end? Okay. We like the deep end. We'll stay there. Go deeper. Here we go. Numbers chapter 13. Because it's always been, God's heart has always been, he wants a, a people to trust him. Because you know what? You can say, I could tell my wife every day, I love you, honey. I love you, honey. I love you, honey. And then one day she goes, where's my debit card? I took it because you've been overspending. I don't trust you. I can tell her I love her all I want, but if, if I don't trust her, I'm sleeping on the couch. Like, what an insult, right? To say you trust somebody and you love somebody, but then you don't trust them. And this is what God was dealing with the people of Israel. He's, he's doing miracles. He's delivering them from the hand of Egypt. He's doing all these miracles to help bring them out of bondage, and they didn't trust him. And it's an insult, right? And in, next, in Numbers chapter 13, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, you know, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving. I'm giving to the children of Israel. So God is telling Moses, I'm giving the land to the children of Israel. From each tribe of the fathers, you shall send a man, every one of the leaders among them. So there's 12 tribes. So Moses gets up in front of Israel and he gives this speech. Guess what, guys? The Lord is giving us the land. So I want one leader from each tribe to go, and we're going to go into the land. We're going to spy it out. Okay? And so 12 spies go out. Okay? Verse 3 says, So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord. Now, a wilderness speaks of an uncultivated place. You know, so many times as believers, we feel like we're in an uncultivated place in our life. We feel like we want to get to a better place. We want to get to our promised land. We want these breakthroughs in our life. Uh, but we, we don't know how to get it, and we, we really want it. And, and, um, uh, and many of us can relate to this. We want to get to the better place, okay? And God wants to supply for his children the promised land. He wants to give us the, bl the blessing. So the spies were sent out, and they returned, and this was their report. Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. And they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent it us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And so they came back with these big grapes, as you know, big clusters of grapes. Okay. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified, very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. These Amalekites dwelled in the land in the south, and the Hittites and the Jesuits and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. 
Okay, so they're beginning to give a negative report. They're saying, this is the problem. There's giants in the land. There's issues in the land. So they're starting to build up some, some fear in the hearts of the people. And then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Okay? And so what we see here, okay, is we see Caleb's response is he has an overcomer's attitude. He has unshakable faith. Because in his mind, him and Joshua, they heard Moses say, the Lord's giving us the land. And they were like, hallelujah, it belongs to us. God's already given it to us. So we're going to spy it out. We're going to have a strategy. We're going to come back. We're going to take the land. Why? Because God says we can do it. And, this, you know, he delivered us. He took us through the, the, the sea. He parted the waters. He did miracles to deliver us from, from Pharaoh. He, he's going to do it. And they're all excited because their, their eyes are on the voice and the promises of God. But the other leaders were looking at the people. They were looking at the circumstances. They weren't in faith. They were looking at the problems. All right? And um, the ten spies complained, and we see here, in Numbers 13, 31, go there. And the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. You know what? I hate to break this to you, but the devil is stronger than we. That's why he had to deliver us from the kingdom of darkness and transfer us into the kingdom of his dear son. Whatever enemy is out there against you, if we look at ourselves, yes, we're defeated. But if we look at God and the promise of God and we put our dependency on the power of the spirit that lives in us, we can take the land. And and Paul was dealing with the same thing with the church of Galatia, saying, guys, you're moving away from having faith in the power and the promises of God and you're putting your faith in what you can do. Of course you can't take out an army. Of course you can't fight against giants, but God. And two of the spies put their faith in God, and ten of the spies put their faith in themselves, and because of that, they could not enter the promised land. Now look at what uh, the people began to respond in 14, uh, with, uh, Numbers 14. So all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation If only we had died in the land of Egypt. And then they begin to have a big pity party because they were listening to fear instead of listening to faith. And none of them got to go into the promised land except God was so pleased with Caleb and Joshua. He said, you guys are going to enter the promised land. And you know, if we want to go into the promised land of all that God has for us, then we have to return back to the simplicity of the gospel saying, you know what, Lord, we have to understand this. Number one, God's word is corrective, brings correction. It also brings direction, but it also brings possession. Three things. And some churches just preach about prosperity and possessions and the blessings of God and can be a little bit out of balance. And then other churches would just preach on correction. Well, you need to repent. You need to repent. You need to repent. And then other churches talk about direction. You know, I'm going to give you a new principle from the word of God that will help you succeed in life. Right? There's, there's three aspects. But at the end of the day, when we look at the promises of God, will we believe Him? Is He going to take us through? Did He say He would take us through? Then we put our faith in that, and we say, Lord, Your Word says it. Your Word says by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. I choose to believe it's real. 
I, your word says that I prosper in all things and be in hell. I choose to believe it. And I thank you, God. But in myself, I can do nothing. But I put my faith in the power of the Spirit that's been given to me. Not in anything that I can do. All right? Like we do the highway to wholeness because we want to help you understand how the enemy comes to visit with thoughts. Right? But you already have authority over him. You're already walking and you're, you're standing and holding ground for what Jesus has already done for you. Isn't that good? Okay. And so let's move on here and we'll finish up. The people were so upset with Caleb and Joshua because what he said here is very, what Caleb said here is very important. And we're going to look at that here and then we're going to close up. This is verse 7. And they spoke to the congregation of uh, the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land, and he will give it to us. The land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are, they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Isn't that awesome? And then verse 22, because of the men who have seen my glory, God is speaking, and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and I have put me to the test now these ten times. In other words, I want them to have faith in my power, but they won't. And have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, and that's my prayer, God, is that we as your church, we would have a different spirit in us than what we hear around us. That yes, though it's dark, and yes, we're going through issues and struggles, and we're walking this thing out, we have a different spirit. We believe, God, that you're taking us here. We believe that you appointed us to be here. We believe that you're going to get all the glory through this. He had a different spirit, and he's followed me Fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. And you know what? Paul is dealing with this with the Galatians. He's saying, guys, like, wow. Can I, let me just finish one thing. I don't know if I read this, but I just want to read this to you in Galatians. We'll go there. It's so bright up here. I'm having a hard time seeing my... my tabs here. Uh, in Galatians chapter 3, I just want to, I know I, I said this, I just want to repeat it here. That the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Our faith is in the Holy Spirit who comes and does miracles and changes and transforms us. And I don't know about you, but I, I really want to move back to a place where the simple gospel is my faith is in the power of God that has delivered and is delivering me, not in my works. Amen. If you're in this place and you just really sense that God spoke to you in this message and you're saying, you know what, I want to return back to that place of, you know, I, as important as all devotion and spiritual growth and all those things we do, they're very important. But it's kind of taken the place of your simple faith and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you just lift your hand and 
Let's just, uh, I want to pray for you. If that's you in this place, just lift your hand. We're going to pray. Amen. Father, we thank you, God, right now. You see every hand raised. You see every heart, God. And Lord, we just want to have the faith of little children. We want to return back to that place of our first love and do our first works of just getting so excited like little kids at Christmas when we hear of a miracle or a touch of God in the life of someone. We are so dependent on your finished work and the, the power of the Spirit that works in us to bring about the change that we can't do in ourselves, God. Without you, we're like Paul. We're the chief of sinners. We have nothing. But because of your, in you, we can do all things. We're new creatures. We're transformed. Let us, like kids, be excited about that again. Just re renew that right spirit in us and that childlike faith in us, God. The simplicity of the gospel. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Well, praise God. We've got some coffee available. I want everyone to say 10 a.m. Next Sunday, okay? Blessings. Bring a friend, yes. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.